Are you tired of spending hours sharing and sending offers to likers? Introducing Posher VA, the web program that will save you time and increase your sales. With Posher VA, you can automatically share your closet, send offers to likers, and schedule your share times all with just a few clicks. Using code ELDUCHO, you can try Posher VA for two weeks for free, no credit card required. Posher VA is not just another program, it is your program. Say goodbye to manual sharing and hello to even more time in your business. Try Posher VA today using code ELDUCHO, E-L-D-U-C-H-O. Welcome to the Flip the Script podcast. I'm your host, Denali, and I'm a full-time reseller on eBay and Poshmark. My store and closet name is El Ducho, E-L-D-U-C-H-O, and you can also find me on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube as El Ducho Thrift. This week, I had the pleasure of interviewing a reseller that I've only crossed paths with online, and her name is Becky. You can find Becky on Instagram under the username Becky Park on Poshmark, and all of that information will be in the show notes for you. Becky is a part-time reseller and YouTuber who passionately shares her reselling journey with her subscribers. By day, she works as a music teacher, and by night, she dedicates her time to photographing her thrifted finds, listing, and shipping items. With a successful YouTube channel, Becky is committed to empowering others by providing valuable insights and knowledge on reselling. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hi, Becky. Thanks for being on the podcast with me today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. It's so fun to have you here because I feel like in the world of the internet, the World Wide Web, we have crossed paths so many times. But we've never, I don't feel like we've had like an opportunity to sit down and chat with each other. And so I'm so excited to, yeah, hear more of your story today and just get to know you better, which is always just like a fun part. Thank you. I'm excited to be here and share and do all of the things. Awesome. Okay. Well, then my first question for you, Becky, is tell me about yourself and how your life led you to reselling. All right. Well, I am actually a high school choir teacher. I went to school for choral music education, have my master's in it. And my husband is also a teacher. So clearly we are in the 1%. <laughs> we, we do not make a lot of money. We you know, work in public schools. And this is just something that we felt called to do. And you know, we've done all of our professional lives. And in the midst of that, we just, I remember there was a period, I want to say in like 2017, where We had a bunch of clothes that we were no longer wearing. Maybe they were like out of season or something like that. And I remember taking them to Play-Dohs. It was mainly stuff that we would wear to work. So like career wear, it was like J. Crew, Banana Republic. You know, it's like expensive stuff. But Play-Dohs was like, we don't really take these brands. (laughs) Like (laughs) we really just cater to like a younger crowd. And so I think they bought like two things off of me Mm -hmm. and- I was like, okay, there has to be somewhere that I could go where someone will give me a little bit more money for this stuff. Just because again, we were just two young, broke 
you know, teachers. And so I just started Googling, like, where can I sell my stuff? And then Poshmark came up. And I had also remembered just in passing my brother telling me about Poshmark, he, you know, really liked kind of more luxury brands and stuff and would never be able to afford them at retail. And so he would just kind of browse Poshmark to see brands like Gucci and all that kind of stuff. But because I remembered him talking about it and I saw it come up on Google, I was like, okay, let me just see what this is all about. I listed a couple things. And then I think in two weeks I sold my first item, which was a pair of my husband's shoes. And I was like instantly hooked. And I was like, okay, how do I sell more stuff, (laughs) sell it faster? And I started, you know, looking for all of the blogs. And that's when I realized like there were, there was a whole community of people on YouTube talking about this. And I don't think that um, up until that time that I had ever thought of using YouTube in that way, like of using it to learn how to do something so specific and like getting that much information about one topic. I'd never thought of YouTube as like a place of community before. So it was like just a lot of brand new things happening all at once. Um, But that's kind (laughs) of how it started was just, I had clothes that I wanted to sell and I found Poshmark and then it kind of evolved and grew from there. That's awesome. It's it's funny that you say Plato's Closet, not taking the clothes that you brought in. I, I feel like everyone listening to this can probably relate to that. Oh, How many times yeah. we've gone into buy, sell, trade stores, but I feel like it's always Plato's. I don't know it's why. Always <laughs> it's always Plato's and you go in there and they take maybe one item and they tell yeah. you, uh, we can give you a dollar fifty or yeah. $3 in trade or whatever yes. it is. That is barely worth it for the 30 minutes you had to awkwardly walk around the store as they looked at your your items. Okay, so you went to Poshmark kind of at the suggestion of your brother. How long Mm -hmm. had your brother been on the app? Because you said 2017 and the app has been around since, gosh, off the top of my head, I want to say, what is it, 2011, 2012? Yeah. So 2017 was, you know, still early on. It Um, was. How, and um, he had only been on it, I want to say, maybe like half a year or something like that. And I don't even know that he had bought anything. And I remember he would show me stuff. He'd be like, look at this Gucci belt. I'm like, how do you even know it's Gucci? This picture is so blurry. <laughs> like, it was like, I was like, it's photographed on this man's sink. Like, how are you? Like, is that where Gucci stuff is supposed to go? You know? like Right. But this is, this was the wild, wild west of Poshmark back in the day. Right was like nobody was you know cropping out the un like the ugly things in their pictures nobody was using like photo room to get like a nice white background like everyone was just throwing their stuff on the ground or you know in their bathtub and just taking pictures and people like my brother were like okay like I'm down for this let's see what happens I don't know that he ever bought anything though I think he just looked and was like oh the prices are good but I think at the time he was too scared of like authenticity like how do I know if it's real or not so but yeah I just That's remember. a legit concern. I get it. Yeah. So w- when you were looking online at places to sell, you know, certainly there are other platforms like eBay that have been around for a while. Was that something that had crossed your mind to list items on there? Had you ever bought or sold items on eBay so before? I, I have like a super vague memory of being like, I want to say maybe it was early high school. So this is like 
early early 2000s or maybe it was like the end of like the 90s maybe I was middle school but I remember being in California on vacation visiting my cousins and I don't know why but I was like let me go on eBay and see if I can find some clothes on auction like I don't know why this crossed my mind <laughs> as a young teen someone must have like talked about it someone must have been like look what I got on eBay for like four dollars or something I don't know and I remember there was a brand from the 90s called Sugar and I remember finding an item that was up for auction the starting bid was 99 cents I think I just like took my mom's credit card out of her bag or something. I don't even know, but I like placed a bid for 99 cents and this shirt showed up at my house. (laughs) Wow. That's pretty cool. And then I never did it again. That was like my one experience with eBay. And then when I started selling on Poshmark and like I said, I went down this rabbit hole of what is Poshmark, what is reselling. And obviously eBay comes up as a marketplace and I'm like, okay, but that just seems really scary to me. Like the way people would talk about it, the way people would talk about shipping. I was like, I'm, I'm not at that level yet. So let me just like stick with Poshmark first. But yeah, it's, I mean, I definitely knew what it was. I just, it wasn't something that was a part of my everyday life. I know my husband, he says that he said he has like a few colleagues who like, they just buy everything on eBay. Like the way that (laughs) you know, people go to Target, they go to eBay, you know, they buy like eBay, they buy their like, (laughs) that's weird, you know, but yeah. So I definitely didn't know eBay that intimately, but um, I have finally maybe a year and a half, two years into reselling. I like got up the courage to start selling on eBay and it was a really good decision that I made. And I'm also on like Mercari and Depop and a few other places. So Got it. Okay. So you, you were aware of it. And definitely, I mean, I would say if you were buying 99 cent clothing back in the late nineties, early two thousands, I mean, early adopter, Becky, I would yes, say. Yes. Right. And I just, I have that weird random memory, but no recollection of how I got there. Like, right. how did I, you know, I don't know. But yeah. Okay. So your first sale, you said were those shoes and Mm -hmm. after you sold those, I mean, it's always so exciting to have that first sale. It doesn't even matter if you made any amount of money on it, right? It could be a dollar or, I mean, a hundred is obviously more exciting, but it's just kind of exciting to have that first item you sold. So I imagine that you probably started selling all of those items that Plato's closet didn't want at what at what point did you think, let me go out to the thrift stores to do it? Because I always think that's just kind of like an interesting light bulb that turns on. Like when did you think, oh, I could go to stores and do this? Yeah. So when I, you know, started listing my own stuff and was trying to look up tips on how do I sell more of my stuff? How do I kind of get more steady sales? That's when I was turning to YouTube and blogs. And that's when I found out that there were people who made a career doing this. Like this was their living, you know, this is how they put food on the table was they sold stuff online, but clearly they weren't just selling stuff from their own home. Cause then they would just like walk around naked all the time, but they were <laughs> finding inventory at places like thrift stores. And I was so intrigued. And I remember I was watching people who were in like, 
kind of bigger metropolitan areas. And so they'd be like, look what I found, like this Lululemon or like back in the day, like when LuLaRoe was like really popular and they're like, I found <laughs> LuLaRoe and I thought, you know, whatever. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like that's what's at thrift stores. So I was so excited. And I like convinced my husband, I'm like, let's go to Salvation Army and see what we can find. Cause we had Salvation Armies, we had Goodwills. We just never really went there very much. We, we would go sometimes like in, like in the town that his mother lives, we would go to Goodwill just to like find fun, like vintage stuff for ourselves. But I don't know that we'd ever really visited thrift stores in our own area. And so we went to Salvation Army and I was like, wait, like, where's all the good stuff? Like, Where's the stuff that all these people are finding? Like, I was just very confused. And so I remember picking out just like a handful of things that I thought were cute. They took like ages to sell because they weren't, you know, great pickups because it was my first time. But yeah, I think I probably started going to the thrift store like so literally I listed my first item on Poshmark like December of 2017 I want to say by like February of 2018 I was like please let's go to the thrift store and so we did and then it became an unhealthy addiction from that point (laughs) on okay so from February 2018 until now and that's obviously like a really big span we're talking about just over five years how you know, how did reselling kind of progress for you? Because, you know, this isn't your primary source of income. You still are a teacher. Mm -hmm. And so I guess, how do you balance the two? And how have you, has it always been steady over these past five years? Does it, does it come and go in waves for you at, at all? What does it look like? Yeah. So for me, being a teacher, there are some really nice breaks built into the schedule, obviously, you know, like mm-hmm. right now I'm on summer break. We have like a longer winter break, a longer spring break, things like that. So it's been really nice to have those seasons to always look forward to, to like really kind of kick things into higher gear when it comes to reselling. And I just have learned, I think, how to show myself grace throughout the school year, just kind of knowing as a choir teacher, how unbelievably busy it can get, especially when I was also like directing the vocal side of musicals. I was just at school until like on ungodly hours, you know? And so there were seasons when I wouldn't be able to list anything for like a week or two because I was at school till forever. You know, I was barely like getting enough sleep. And so I just had to kind of keep reminding myself, like, it's okay. This is not what you do for a living, you know, like this is all stuff that you get to put this money in like a separate account. And it's like all on the side. And even without it, like your family would be fine. So it's been steady with like built in seasons of like, let's go, you know, and then like built in seasons of we're not going to do much here, but there's going to be enough stuff listed to kind of sustain us and get us through. But yeah, it's, It's been interesting, but very doable. And I think a lot of that also has to do with the fact that my husband is just like so hands-on when it comes to house stuff. So a lot of people ask me all the time, like, but how can you do it all? Like how you teach and resell and have a YouTube channel? Like, how are you doing all of that? And I'm like, it's because... I probably don't have to do a lot of things that you do at home. So like a lot of people are like, 
you know, between cleaning and cooking and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, like, I don't really do those things. Like <laughs> my husband is like the cooker or like, yeah, he like cooks. He like does most of the cleaning. He does our laundry. Like he's just like better at that stuff. And so he does that and I'm better at making money. So I do that. (laughs) Those are our roles. And because I'm not doing some of those things, that's why I can do, you know, things like a YouTube channel or reselling. And, And I don't want people to like watch me and feel bad. Like, oh, like she's able to do all these things in her 24 hours. How come I can't? It's because I'm doing less of probably what they are at home, you know? So yeah, like kind of, learning to as a family like how to function in that way like okay what's got to give who's got to pick up slack where in order for all of this to happen and at at this point I feel like we're somewhat of a well-oiled machine like everyone kind of knows like not like their role that's a really weird way to put it but like everyone kind of knows like what their strengths are and rather than like getting upset at each other for like well why can't you be more like x y and z it's just okay, like this makes sense for us and go, you know, do it, make it work, so. I know firsthand how exhausting it can be to manage all the tasks in my reselling business, like listing, bookkeeping, and more. But I've found a solution that has given me back my time and allowed me to grow my business, hiring a virtual assistant. And now I want to share that solution with you. That's why I've created an online course called Hiring a Virtual Assistant for Your Reselling Business. With this course, you'll learn everything you need to know to find, train, and manage a virtual assistant like a pro. And because I want to make this course accessible to everyone, I'm offering a special coupon code, Flip the Script, that gives you $10 off at checkout. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your reselling business to the next level. Sign up now at hiringava.com and let's enjoy the freedom and fun of growing our businesses together. Again, you can sign up at hiringava.com. Do you feel like, you know, because I, I think with people who resell, it's kind of whether it's, you know, your primary source of income, not your primary source of income, it's kind of addicting, right? You, everybody loves going out and sourcing, finding great items, selling an item that you purchase for very little money for a great amount of money. And you kind of always want to be doing it, especially since you said you're really good at making money. I think that's a common, you know, personality trait that a lot of us have. Mm-hmm. In the times that you, you know, you are busier at school teaching, do you have those moments of, I mean, I don't know, for lack of a better word, like, do you have FOMO that you can't be focusing on your other business in that way? Or do you feel like you kind of have, I don't know, or is there a balance to it? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I mean, so sometimes, right? Like, I think the main difference between something like reselling or just kind of working for yourself and something like teaching or working in an office where you just have a steady salary, I think the difference is as a teacher, I could be the hardest working teacher in the building and I'm going to get paid the same amount as the teacher down the hall who like barely does anything like shows movies all day. Right. And that's frustrating. Whereas I think the addicting nature of 
reselling or working for yourself in general is that the harder you work, the more money you can make. And there literally is no end. Like you could work 24 hours a day, make as much money as possible. And that's very addicting to some people. So yeah, like sometimes there are times when I'm like, oh, like I'm I'm sitting here in these boring rehearsals and I could be listening or I could be filming a YouTube video or I could be doing X, Y, and Z. But also like when I think about what I get from my teaching job and the relationships that I build with these kids, like I think I would probably have serious FOMO if I didn't have that part of my life. And there was actually a period at the end of 2022, so last spring, not this current spring, but last spring, I kind of had made the decision, like, let me take a year off of teaching. Let me just try working for myself for a full year and see how it goes and if it agrees with me and whatnot. And I like announced it. I like told my superintendent, but then I couldn't like do it. <laughs> I rescinded mm. my letter and I was just like, forget it. Like, I'll be back, you know, because I think ultimately I was like, it would be cool to see what it's like to go all in on myself. But also like, I think that it would almost be unhealthy for me because now that's like the only thing that I have in my life, you know, versus this other huge piece of my life, which, you know, is what I've like gone to school for. And I have all these weird specific skills that like, really are just for like a choir teacher. <laughs> it's like, um, I don't know, like, what would I do with all those things? And yeah, so I feel like I made the right call. And I, I think because I enjoy those relationships so much with those kids, like it balances out, like, even though I'm like, oh, like I could have made more money last week if I had just, you know, X, Y, and Z. It's also like, okay, but the reason I didn't get to do those things, the reason I didn't get to list more, the reason I didn't get to go, you know, on this cool thrifting trip or whatever is because I was at work spending time with these really great kids and hopefully having some sort of impact on their life and making their school day a little bit better for that 50 minutes that they're in class with me. You know, like when I look at it like that, that is the balance for me of just like, you know, kind of having both of those loves coexisting. Yeah, that's interesting that you said, you know, because my, I was going to ask, like, have you ever thought about doing this as, you know, Mm -hmm. full-time work only, but it sounds like you did and, and, you know, so much so that you notified your job and, and ended up rescinding your, uh, your leave. I mean, deciding to put in notice to leave is huge in itself, especially when you love the work that you do so much. I have to imagine it also probably was a really big and emotional decision to then take it back, right? It was. And it it very much felt like the right decision. And thankfully, like through it all, my husband was so supportive. He's like, you just do what you want to do. You know, like for him, it really kind of scared him the idea of me not having a steady salary coming in because, you know, I think what scared him about it was it depends so much on the work that you do, you know, like, yeah, like our livelihood at that point depended on both of our incomes and the reselling stuff was all extra and it was great, but it's like, if my teaching income were to go away, 
And if my reselling income were to like go down or just not be, you know, it's just not a guaranteed steady amount. And I think that just really like scared him. But with any scenario, he was like, you just do what you feel like you have to do. I will, you know, support in whatever way I can. So that was helpful. But yeah, it was, it was like very emotional when I told the kids that I wasn't going to come back. We mm-hmm. all like did a lot of crying together. And then it was emotional when I said I was going to come back. <laughs> like, so it, yeah. was, it was good. But like in announcing that I actually was going to come back, like I felt very much like, okay, I did make the right decision. <laughs> like, This is what I'm supposed to be doing. So it was, it was good. Yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing about reselling is it's just, what's amazing about it is it's the skill that once you learn how to do it, you always have it, right? Mm-hmm. Like that will always be here. But I mean, you know, the work that you do and being a teacher and teachers are so amazing and the relationships that they have with their students is so magical. And, and that is kind of one time only, I feel like, whereas mm-hmm. reselling is, is, it will always be here. There will always be another great item to thrift, you know, but you don't get those kind of experiences back with your students. So I I have to imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just thinking about it myself, I'm like, yeah, that would probably be a really difficult thing to do. I know when I quit my job, it was a very difficult thing to do. So, you know, and you actually like your students. So It's different different when you're like at a job, like a nine to five job and you're like, well, I guess I won't mind not seeing this coworker or not seeing that coworker. For sure. (laughs) And and for those people, like going into reselling full time or just going into, you know, working for themselves, that's absolutely the right choice to make for every reason, you know, but for me, like, I just felt like I was going to kind of be like going against what I was supposed to be doing with my life at that time, you know, like it just, it it, it wasn't like, a, Oh, I hate my job. And it, it was like, yeah, it's hard. sometimes, yeah. and It's like more stressful than it needs to be. And it would be easier to be home is kind of like the way I thought about it versus. Yeah. So I don't know, but yeah, I mean, and that's not to say like people who decide to stay at home and resell and quit teaching that they're bad people. Not at all. You know, it's so different for everyone. But for me, like having like a couple months to live with the idea of, okay, like I'm not coming back here next year to teach. I was like, nah, this is not yeah. it. Like, this is not what I was supposed to do. So let's take it back. And thankfully they let me. So, yeah, that's great. Okay. So kind of, taking a little bit of a turn here, you did mention that, you know, when you started selling initially, it was just on Poshmark. And then, you know, through the years you've branched out and you said that you now sell on eBay, Mercari, Depop, who am I missing or what am I missing? (laughs) Is there any others? I saw on eBay, Poshmark, Mercari, Depop. I do still list on Kitizen. I feel like I make a sale every two months over there. (laughs) I still list on Facebook Marketplace, even though I don't sell anything over there anymore, really. Um, And then I have my own website that I created through Shopify. And that's actually been like pretty decent. I'm not as consistent as I should be with my monthly drops over there, but it has been pretty consistent and um, a, a very good experience this time around. So, but yeah, that's where I am. So with your Shopify store, are you doing any like marketing anywhere on the internet for that? Or are you driving traffic to it through your um, social media channels? 
So right now, just kind of knowing myself and my schedule well enough to know that it's it wouldn't be wise for me to like pay for marketing. So no, I don't have like Facebook ads. I don't have, you know, anything like that. And I don't think that I would do that unless like I was just reselling full-time. Cause it's just, mm-hmm. yeah. So for me, I'm just kind of driving my own traffic over there. And it's been like enough for me to be like, oh yeah, like this is worth it. And it's, it's, kind of cool to just kind of have like my own space and I can have it look the way that I want and stuff. But yeah, just kind of getting my own traffic there on my own. Got it. And so, you know, from that, I imagine that one of the places you're driving traffic from, which we've kind of touched on a little bit already is YouTube. So talk to me about, you know, moving into YouTube, like where was your desire to start creating reselling content? Like what made you think like, okay, sure. I want to do this now too. Yeah. So, you know, like I mentioned earlier, when I first got into reselling, I was watching a lot of reselling content on YouTube and um, finding that community on Instagram. But at the time, because again, this was mainly in like 2018, while there were like a handful of people on YouTube and Instagram, the majority of them were full-time resellers. And so they would share a lot of these great tips and share a lot of this information. It was great, but I was really kind of craving to hear from someone's experience that was more similar to my own. I also kind of like felt like as I was looking online, like there weren't a lot of people who looked like me either. So you can't see me right now because this is a podcast, but I am <laughs> Korean American. And so I was like, huh, like there's not really any like Asians that I can see in this space either. And so I don't know. I just thought like for those reasons, it would be kind of cool to create a channel that was from the perspective of a part-time reseller, someone who like wasn't spending all day on this stuff, but kind of showing like, well, here's what you can do with small pockets of time. And furthermore, like I found that the types of videos that I was most excited to watch were ones where they were like in teacher mode, you know, like they were teaching me something. I wasn't a huge fan of like vlogs and things of that nature. I know like on YouTube right now, that's kind of like the style of video that does really well for people is like garage sale with me. And you just kind of like are with them. I don't know. Like I never enjoyed watching those kinds of videos. I just wanted someone to like talk to the camera and teach me how to do all of the things. And so I was like, well, like I can just do that. Like I'll just create the kinds of videos that I wish someone would make for me and just try to teach as much as possible. So that's kind of what I set out to do. And yeah, here we are now. (laughs) Do you feel like you're, I mean, I have to imagine the answer is yes, but do you feel like you've pulled from you know, your teaching skills in general to bring a different or, you know, style to what you present in your videos, you know, in terms of delivering information effectively to people who are watching, you know, right? Because the, the difference is, is like, I guess I'm thinking, you know, anybody can make a video and just sit there and talk, right? But a teacher is already gonna know like the best way to communicate with the listener. Mm-hmm. or student. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think that it's not, to be honest, when I, um, when I sit down to film a video, 
depending on the video, there might be a little bit of prep work that goes into it, especially if it is like a, you know, eight tips for selling on eBay or something, right? Like then I have to actually think of the eight tips before I hit record, things like that. But for some videos, there is a little bit of prep work that goes into it. And I don't feel like I sit there and ask myself like, okay, what's like the best way or the best technique to use to teach this or whatever. Like, that's not really what I'm thinking, but I think like you said, it's, it's something that just kind of comes naturally, like even just in the outline or like how you go from one step to the next or how you present the information. Like, it's just something that I've been doing now professionally for, you know, over 10 years. And even before that, I was always like directing some sort of group at church or doing something, you know, working with, people younger than myself to teach them music. And so it's something that I've been doing for a while. And that is a common comment that I get in my YouTube videos is like, I can tell you're a teacher, like you're just so good at, you know, getting the points across and teaching it in, you know, teaching me the information in a way that makes sense. But like, it's not what I set out to do, if that makes sense. I'm not like, you know, Mm -hmm. before I film a video, I'm not like, okay, how can I be the most clear? (laughs) How can I, whatever, I think I just kind of, (laughs) just talk and people are like, Oh, that was getting clear. And I'm like, okay, well, good. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get what you're saying. You you know, with YouTube, I think that a lot of times people think, okay, well, if I create a YouTube channel, then this is going to directly correlate with my sales as in an increase in sales. I'm all of a sudden going to start selling more or they Mm -hmm. think that people maybe who have YouTube channels do Do you feel like, you know, I know that we're saying that you're driving traffic to your store, but obviously that's going to be then at the suggestion or, you know, links or mentioning your store. Do you feel like creating reseller content necessarily means that you will have an increase in sales? A thousand percent? No. (laughs) I I agree. Yeah. I think it's because of what I sell to. I don't find like the trendy, most hit brands. I mean, I'm getting pretty boring stuff. Like I kind of pick up more like bread and butter, like kind of your basics, your necessities. I'm not finding exciting pieces. And so I mean, there have definitely been times when I film a haul video and someone will reach out either through email or Instagram and they'll be like, hey, I just watched your video and I'm really interested in this one piece. And, you know, we'll work out like a direct sale or something. It does not happen very often. I do think there are some YouTubers out there who are really smart and they'll go out, they'll do a thrift with me or they'll film a haul video and they'll get everything listed And then they'll upload that video. And so people, as they're watching, they'll be like, oh, I really like this. They'll go to that person's closet and they'll see it. And then they're able to snag it. I am not good at like, I'm so backed up when it comes to my inventory. Like when I film a haul video, that means that stuff is going to come up on my platforms like six months later. (laughs) And so people are like, hey, like I went to your Poshmark closet and I didn't see this thing. And I'm like, oh, like it'll probably be there in a few months. And by that point, like they've forgotten about it. They don't, you know, I've missed my chance. It's fine because I, I do feel weird about being really pushy about like, hey, if you yeah. like any of this stuff, come to my closet. Because for me, the point of having the channel is not to drive business to my platforms. For me, the point of the channel really is to teach people like 
from my experience of reselling, you know, what works for me. And so I feel like it would be such a turnoff if in every video I was like, buy this for me. Do you like this? Like, you know, so I feel like I purposefully try not to do that kind of stuff, but yeah, for all of those reasons, I personally don't feel like a large portion of my business comes from viewers. If I had to guess, I would guess maybe like 5%, Mm -hmm. maybe five to 10% now that I have like, you know, this website and people will check it out, but it's not a big percentage of my sales for sure. Got it. You know, and in thinking about people who are listening to this podcast, who maybe want to start on YouTube, you know, is there a piece of advice that you would give people to kind of get going or to people who are maybe apprehensive? Yeah, I think, you know, I think with anything, whether it's reselling, whether it's YouTube, when you're starting anything new, whether it's like working out, I think at least for people with my type of personality, people just want to go all in and they just want to like do all of the things right away. And with YouTube and with resale, I mean, with most things, it's just so easy to burn out and like lose the joy and the reason for why you wanted to get started in the first place. So as hard as it is to do, I think the best thing is to just start slow and to start with consistency. So even if that means you're only posting one video every two weeks, if you're going to be proud of that video and that video reflects your best work, I think that's better than haphazardly throwing together two videos a week, but you're not really proud of anything and you're stressed out because, you know, you're trying to figure out this whole new thing of video production and you're trying to figure out YouTube. And so I think just kind of like slow and steady wins the race mentality. I think that's something I wish I had kind of told myself regarding all things in life. And then aside (laughs) from that, I would say like, you know, oftentimes I think people want to recreate the kinds of videos that they enjoy watching. Right now, you know, my kids are six and soon to be 10. My six-year-old wants to be a YouTuber so bad. He's got ideas for like seven different YouTube channels. He knows the names of them. He has logos designed for them. (laughs) And they're all basically you know, different versions of YouTube channels that he already watches. (laughs) And he's like, so in order to make these kinds of videos, you have to buy me a PC. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You were six years old. Like, what do you (laughs) need for? But like, in his mind, he's like, but if I'm going to make this video, this is what I need. And I think that's how a lot of people feel is they're like, this is the kind of video that I like. This is what I see them doing. And this is how I see them filming. So I need all this stuff or I need to kind of force myself to be able to film in this way versus, okay, but what does your day-to-day already look like? What are you already doing? And how does it make sense to just like, you know, turn a camera on while you're doing it? It's something that is already a part of, you know, your daily routine and you know a lot about it. Talk to us about that versus, being, you know, a second rate version of what someone else is already doing and finding success in. And so I think that would be another tip for people is just like, don't make it harder on yourself by trying to be something that you're not like, just think about what are you an expert on that you can show the world, or even if you're brand new to reselling, like show us your day to day as a brand new reseller, you know, just like what you're learning that day, what you're trying to figure out. Like, I think there's definitely a community for that too, but 
I, I think the hardest thing is trying to create videos just like someone else because you're like, oh, that person is so successful. So I have to be just like them. No, you don't. Like nobody wants to watch you be like them. Like we just want to see you be the best version of you. No, I think that's great advice. Like you said, the consistency and the quality. I mean, it's interesting because I think, you know, you kind of touched on this. The consistency and quality also kind of bleeds over into just reselling in general, right? Consistency for sure. We we know that. But also, you know, the latter part of what you said is just kind of showing up as yourself, right? And not trying to replicate someone else's content or personality or whatever it might be. I thought that story about your son is actually really funny. <laughs> I, I swear, I, I swear every kid now under the age of probably 15 wants to be a YouTuber professionally oh, when they grow up. It's, it's so funny. <laughs> but no, I think that that you're right because I think there's a lot of value in documenting your journey really early on. And most people don't do it because you don't want to be on camera or you don't know what to do or you don't know what to film. And that's in some ways, I think that's the most interesting part to film because Mm -hmm. there's always people who are starting reselling. And Mm -hmm. so they want to see someone else who's starting in reselling because that's something that I think they can relate to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So talk to me about your workspace. You know, do you have like offsite storage unit? Do you operate everything out of like a room in the house, the garage? What does it look like for you? Yeah. So we actually just moved about two months ago. Yeah. Two months ago, just five minutes down the street. So not like a cross country move or anything. But one of the reasons we moved into the house that we're in right now is because it has a basement. So prior to having a basement, our old house had this kind of bonus room. It was like a fifth bedroom, but it was just this huge space that I think a lot of people would use as like a rec room or something, but we used it as like our kids playroom. And then when I started reselling, my reselling stuff started creeping in there. So it was a really nice big space, but it just wasn't conducive to like both being a reselling and playroom type of space. So this house has a basement with like a large unfinished part of the basement. And then right next to it is like the finished part of the basement. So I took over that unfinished part, which, you know, otherwise would have just been like storage or something like that. And that's where all of my inventory is. That's where I have like a table to process inventory and also film at. And then I have like my large photo box. So everything really just kind of lives in that space, which is really nice. There's also like a bedroom in the basement that some of my stuff is in right now, but that's only because that's where everything was when we first moved in so that we could clean out the unfinished part of the basement. When we first moved in, there were rat droppings, not rat, like mouse droppings mm-hmm. everywhere. Like, oh no. It was so disgusting. So we had someone come in and like professionally clean it and like power wash and all that stuff. And we got like exterminators to come in and just make sure that like the mice do not come into the space. But yeah, so I'm slowly getting all the stuff from that bedroom into the reselling space. But yeah, it's it's nice to have everything at home. I think it would be kind of difficult to have to run out to like a storage unit every day just because of how busy it is already. So just to have to pop into the basement is really nice. Yeah, no, that is nice. And 
so you said you did the recent move because of the big basement basement was the move solely to accommodate the business or were there other reasons? No, as well? that's a good question. So last Thanksgiving, so Thanksgiving of 2022, my in-laws came to visit and our old house had enough bedrooms for, you know, a guest bedroom. And that's where my in-laws stayed, but then they would have to use the same bathroom that my kids use. And my father-in-law had like dentures and stuff. And my daughter ran out like screaming. She's like, oh my God, <laughs> just in a bowl. Like they're like, making my, like, she just was beside herself and was like, I can't live like this. Like, blah, blah. And like my father-in-law at the time, he was very far along with like his dementia and he had cancer and we knew he didn't have much time left with us. And he actually did pass a few months ago. And so even just kind of thinking about my mother-in-law's future and like wanting to have a space that she could, you know, live with us in and live comfortably with us in. I think that Thanksgiving, like literally the day after I went on Zillow, I was like looking at homes that had kind of like an in-law suite area where, you know, if and when she decided to move in, she could have kind of her own space. She wouldn't have to share a bathroom with the kids and not because she complained, but mainly because my daughter is the way that she is. <laughs> so, um, But, you know, just a space that she could call her own if it had a basement that was like a plus. So I was looking at properties. I actually like went out even that weekend to look at some places. And a friend of mine who lives in the neighborhood that I'm in right now, he was like, if you're looking for a place with an in-law suite, like I have the house for you. So we got set up with the realtor. We came to look at the house and it, it's actually the in-law suite that sold us. The basement was kind of the cherry on top and that was a great added bonus, but it was the in-law suite that we were like, okay, this is the house that we need to move into. That's awesome. Well, I'm very sorry to hear about your father-in-law, oh, but you. how wonderful is it that now that you have the space for your mother-in-law, if, and when she wants to maybe move in with you guys, or just when she's visiting, that's awesome. And yeah. I'm a I'm eternally a broken record on this podcast when people say basements because I just start salivating. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so jealous. People who have basements, I'm just like, oh, wow. Like ah, yeah. maybe someday, maybe someday I'll get lucky and have a basement. <laughs> it just sounds like such a dream to like go downstairs and have your own little, it's like your own little warehouse. I know. And before I used to tell people like, oh, I would never want a basement because I'd always be so scared of flooding. And sure. also like when you have kids, I just hear horror stories of like kids doing bad things in basements when they're like teenagers, <laughs> you know, so I'm just like, no, I would never want a basement. But like it, it truly is a game changer. So you keep yeah. looking. Like, you're I know, I will. <laughs> It'll happen for me someday. Okay. And then just curious, like how many pieces do you try and keep in your inventory at, you know, one period in time? I, you know, everybody's kind of got like a different number for themselves. Mm -hmm. So for me, um, it's not like I'm trying to keep a certain amount of items in my store. It's more like, I'm just trying to list a certain number of items per day. So I have like over a thousand active listings right now. It's also because a lot of them are crap. It's like stuff that people gave me for free, or it's like stuff that, you know, I bought out someone's inventory and it's like, I have it in my house. I'm just going to go ahead and list it. It's like a lot of that kind of stuff. But gotcha. um, I try like, especially when I'm in 
school when I'm working, I try to list at least five items a day. And then during the summer, I've been trying to do more than five. It's gotten really bad. Like it's gotten not very consistent, but uh, (laughs) like I was trying to shoot for like 10 or 15, even over the summer, it wasn't really happening because I feel like I was just doing all this other stuff instead, but yeah. So I'm not really concerned with how much is listed. It's more about like being consistent with new listings every day. Got it. And when you say listings per day, like for your listing schedule, do you do like five days a week? Would you consider as like a listing schedule or is it like seven days a week? Like you're doing, if in a perfect world, you're doing five a day, seven days a week, or is it five or is it five days a week? (laughs) Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I try to do every day. I definitely miss at least one to two days a week though. And I just kind of don't sweat it. It's like, eh, I didn't get to that. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah. That's a great, I mean, personally, just hearing that, like, you know, for having a full-time job, I actually think that's a really great listing schedule to have. I mean, I, I didn't have too much for myself personally, didn't have too much overlap before I left my job to start reselling, but I certainly wasn't consistent in that way. So (laughs) that's really awesome. You know, kind of thinking about, you know, your business as a whole, I'm curious, Becky, what challenges you feel like you face in your business right now? You know, the funny thing is, as much as I'm here today because of social media, because of everything that I learned on YouTube and Instagram, I think social media really is my biggest hindrance (laughs) in that there are so many people who want to tell you that you're supposed to be doing it a certain way, you know, Mm -hmm. and there's so many people who want to tell you like you're doing it wrong. Like, why are you listing that? Why are you selling things for only X amount of dollars or, you know, just a lot of different things. And I, I think like, At this point, to some degree, I've learned to tune out most of that. And, you know, I was kind of sharing with you even before we pressed record that, like, to be honest, I haven't really consumed a lot of reselling content in the past few years just because I've been really interested in other things. And that's taken up, you know, the time that I would have spent watching, like, reselling YouTube videos and stuff like that. But I don't know, like, there are still times when it will bother me. You know, someone will say something to me about like, well, why are you blah, 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 or I don't know. And like, yes, social media can be such a great place to go to learn and to grow. But I think just being really careful and thoughtful about who you allow to be a part of your feed or who you give your time to there are people out there who, I don't know why they just like want you to feel bad about yourself <laughs> versus, you know, making it their mission to build you up and encourage you and teach you. And so I think, I don't even remember what your original question was at this point. But... Oh, no. I, I mean, I, I think that's a great answer. A really interesting answer, actually, that I've not heard from people before. The question was, you know, some of the challenges that you face in your business. (laughs) But, but I think that what you said is really interesting about social media and kind of tuning out the opinions of others, because, you know, there are a lot of hot takes in, Mm -hmm. I mean, this community, obviously a very niche community on the internet, and there's so many niche communities, but they do feel very unfair because, everybody's circumstances, like there's no identical business. There's literally, I, I, you know, I can't, I can never say that enough. There's literally no 
identical business. And then also you have to add into that personal circumstances, you know, of any two people in this community. And so, right. When you mentioned somebody saying you're selling your item too low, or why do you have it priced like that? And I don't, there's no, there's no wrong way. Like, you know, people can, if it works for them, then that's what works for them. Right. I mean, it, it doesn't really involve others. I think where people, you know, for that specific example, I think where people maybe get upset is like, if they have the same item, right. People want to say, you know, it's a race to the bottom, but that's just going to exist. I mean, that's how, that's how things are. I mean, a lot of Amazon sellers deal with that. (laughs) Yeah. And I think the reason I thought of that answer was because initially when you asked the question, the first thing that came to mind was finding high quality inventory. You know, everyone, I feel like nowadays and not just nowadays, I mean, this has kind of always been the message from a lot of people and I get it like a hundred percent makes sense, but a lot of people are like, don't waste your time picking up things that are going to sell for 15, $20, like just focus on finding the items that are going to sell for a lot And, you know, you can source online, you can do retail arbitrage, you can do all this stuff. And so my initial thought was, yeah, like finding that kind of inventory and finding enough of it to, you know, kind of be able to list consistently. It's hard, but also like that kind of led me to, but like, I don't mind listing the stuff that I list and it's easy to find those things in my area. It's not that there's not enough inventory in my area because there absolutely is. There's so much inventory that I can find, but it's just that it's not what other people say is the quote unquote right stuff to sell. And that's why I was kind of like, I don't know that necessarily what my inventory looks like is wrong for me. It's wrong for other people. And again, maybe that's because they can go to Goodwill and find like all the Revolve brands all the time. But for me, like, I'm just going to continue to resell the way that I want. Yeah, like, I just don't like spending hours scrolling on my phone or a computer finding items that are marked lower than they should be and then reselling those at a higher price. Like, it's more fun for me to be out and about in a thrift store or at a garage sale, even if, yeah, I'm mainly finding American Eagle or, you know, Talbots or something like I'm okay with that. That's what I think makes it enjoyable for me. If I were confined to scouring, you know, thread up and the real, real and Poshmark all the time, I think that would really kind of suck the joy out of reselling for me really quick. No, I get what you're saying. I mean, personally, I like (laughs) on its surface, I like the idea of being able to source items from my computer. And Mm -hmm. then in practice, I'm terrible at it. Yes. (laughs) I, I never... I never pick the right items. It's just, Mm -hmm. it doesn't work for me. And because of that, then ultimately it doesn't bring me joy. So I, I, I completely get what you're saying. And, you know, for some people going through the racks at the thrift store, while it might seem time consuming to others, you know, for a lot of people, I mean, if you just give some, most people an iced coffee and let them walk through the goodwill and peace, like that's a great Sunday afternoon for some folks. So <laughs> we all just have our different ways of, I think, you know, a- approaching h- how it's going to work for us. And I think, you know, what's interesting that you said is that, you know, maybe some of the brands that you have in your store, you feel like wouldn't be necessarily exciting to others, but they're great bread and butter staple pieces that maybe people are looking for. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's value in that because you know, 
when I first started reselling personally, I got too much noise in my head about the things I should be looking for Mm -hmm. that I didn't focus on the things that were available to me in my area. Mm -hmm. And while others who live in different parts of the country might not have a lot of, for instance, outdoor weather apparel (laughs) available to Mm -hmm. them, it's plentiful up here. Yeah. Yeah. And same with you, right? You have, you know, being in Illinois, it's, I'm sure the winters are cold and the summers are hot. And Mm -hmm. so you've got people donating clothing for all seasons and not everybody has that. And I mean, outdoor clothing is actually pretty expensive. And so if I had, I feel like if I had leaned into that more when I first started, I probably would have been more successful than walking the aisles of Value Village thinking I must find a tag that says Johnny was, and it, you know, that wasting three hours, just thinking about that, as opposed to picking up a few North Face jackets. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. That's, that's a really cool thing that I've kind of been thinking about more too. Like you said, like there's a YouTuber that I really like to watch mainly because we moved into this house and it's a little bit bigger. So trying to like furnish it completely. And this particular YouTuber does a lot of kind of like home goods, that's mainly what she thrifts. But she's in like the Oregon area. Or and and so she finds a lot of really cool stuff, like a lot of like Native American stuff, a lot of like Oregon maple wood. And so when I go to my like antique stores and my like French, I'm like, where is that stuff? But like it's very much based off of where you are, right? So like right. You said, you're going to find so much Patagonia and like all that kind of stuff because of the fact of where you are. And like, I can't get upset that that's not what I'm finding, but instead I have to kind of look at what's readily available to me and say, okay, so which of these things have the most value? Because this is what I'm going to keep running into again and again. And it just makes more sense to like work with your surroundings than like as if you were in a different region, but you're not, you know, so. Right. Yeah. And yeah. And I think that that's something that people just, especially when they're starting out really need to remember. It's just, you know, if the person you're looking at is it, you know, if I'm in Washington and I'm trying to replicate somebody's business that's in Florida, I I gotta keep (laughs) some things in mind, right? Like I'm just not going to find the things that they're going to do or they're going to be able to find. So, and let's not, let's not forget that, you know, there's garage sales there probably 365 days a year. And we only have them for about 60 days a year. So, Uh uh yeah. So in thinking about the future of your business, I'm curious, you know, where do you see it going or growing or, you know, keeping the status quo, how how do you feel about your business looking forward? Yeah. So, you know, I I think in the year 2022 and maybe a little bit of 2021, I don't know what it is, but I had a lot of resellers who would reach out to me and tell me that they were going to quit reselling. So, you know, they didn't know what to do with their inventory. Would I like to purchase it from them? And I actually purchased probably like three or four people's inventory. And it's been interesting in that, you know, a lot, a lot of the pieces were things that I wouldn't have necessarily picked up myself, but I was able to learn a lot through listing their items because, you know, I learned a lot of new brands, some which were really good, but I think the kind of best thing about it was 
I paid a lump sum, all this stuff just showed up at my house. And there was enough of it that was like pretty good that I was like, oh, this wasn't like horrible, you know, but even more so I I've noticed that like, there are people out there who want top dollar for their clothing that they're no longer going to wear, but they don't want to do the work of listing stuff on Poshmark and all that. Although I have converted a lot of my friends and relatives to like, (laughs) you know, do reselling. Like I have some people who are like, like taking it very seriously now, which is so cool. But I have some friends that are like, no, like I tried it for four things. It's way too much work. No, thank you. <laughs> so um, I kind of want to play around with like more of a consignment model with some people, especially people who have like higher end pieces or brands. And so that's something I want to play with throughout the rest of the year. And even in the summer when I have a little bit more time, like to see if I can find like a pay structure that makes sense for both myself and future clients. I have a few people who are like, yeah, like as soon as you're ready, like I have a closet full of stuff because especially when I'm teaching as much as I love sourcing, it is hard to do. And it's hard to find the time to get as much inventory as I would like. And so if it's just, here's one person, they have great taste and they have all of this stuff but you just might get a little, you have to give a cut of that back to them. I would still definitely be interested in that. So I think I'm just trying to think of like how to make some parts of the business a little bit easier for myself and a little more efficient when it comes to, you know, the amount of time that it takes, but I have no plans to like scale this thing into like a huge business with employees and a warehouse. I think at one point I was thinking about that and I had trained a few people. I had, you know, taught like former students how to photograph and stuff like that. But uh, I don't know, like I, especially cause I'm already teaching. I definitely don't want to be in a position where I'm like managing people like that. Like the very little experience that I had doing that, it was just not appealing to me. And so I don't think that's the route I want to go down. If anything, I think I would just kind of keep this where it is, maybe add a consignment component to it. The only place where I might quote unquote scale, but it's not even scaling is like, I have been playing around with the idea of like starting another YouTube channel about a very completely different topic (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and seeing if that's something that, you know, I would enjoy, but yeah, not not like blowing this thing up. That's for sure. Got it. Well, that's, I mean, another YouTube channel. That's exciting. Yeah, I mean, we'll see if I ever, like, I, I want to do kind of more of like a travel YouTube channel. And I, we went on a Disney cruise in February and I was filming parts of it with the intent of like, okay, like, let's see if this could be, you know, a video for that channel. But then I just got so sick of filming and I was like, I just want to enjoy <laughs> Like, I just want to like be here with my family. And so for that reason, I feel like I could be super lousy at it. Like, <laughs> because It's too hard to like remove myself from what's happening to like be the person filming. So I don't know. I don't know if I could actually ever do it, but no, I, I get that. Try. Yeah, we'll see. I, I might try in Korea, but I'll probably fail. <laughs> oh, you definitely should. I, I mean, I've done that. I we did a Disney cruise and I did actually film it and, and put it on YouTube, but I did. Yeah. And well, it's funny, you're going to Korea and I'm saying, yeah, film your trip. Cause I filmed my trip to China when my family went back there. But what's, you know, 
what you said is interesting is that you feel kind of removed from the moment and it's yeah. true because uh-huh. you are right. It's like, you're capturing these moments. Like, yeah, it is also for your own documentation, like just to have on your phone and stuff. But then, you know, it is like, Oh wait, hold on. Don't take a bite of your food yet. Let me, <laughs> yeah. let, me get a, let me get a video of that. It's so pretty, you know? So oh, it, it does. Know. Yeah. It does remove you from the moment, but I will say on the flip side, it has been really nice just to have those to look back on with mm-hmm. my family because yeah. you know if if they're featured or whether they're not whether they're featured or not just to have those moments and memories to look back on so I, I think it goes both ways it's kind of tough but I do completely understand yes that feeling <laughs> yeah okay well my last question for you Becky is what advice and you've given a lot of great advice so far in the podcast but what advice would you have given yourself when you were first starting out into reselling or what what piece of advice do you feel like would be useful to those who are starting out that you feel like you've learned from? Yeah. I mean, I think kind of going back to what I said earlier, just start slow. Don't put yourself in a situation where you have done too much too fast and now you're overwhelmed and you don't even have time to enjoy it because you are drowning in inventory that you don't know how to process and list. And so I think if People can really be disciplined to just take it slow, start with what's in your house, just learn how to resell first and see if you enjoy it before you go all in. And I think that most Americans have enough in their own homes to almost fill an eBay store with, you know, it's just <laughs> like we have so much junk that we just don't need. So I'd say that would be one huge thing. And then also, like I shared earlier too, like, Yes, you should absolutely like turn to social media to learn about brands and trends and styles and how to list things and, you know, to learn how to do all the work, all the different platforms and stuff, but just be really thoughtful about who it is that you're giving your time to, because there are some people who I think like can have a negative effect on just our ability to enjoy this profession, if you will. Like just if if you're looking at someone's post and you realize, ooh, like that really made me feel really bad about myself or very inferior or it made me feel judged, like just go ahead and like snooze that person or whatever, you know, like, and it's okay because I think it's just so important. The older I get, the more I'm learning, even with my job at, you know, the high school, I'm learning to protect my space because there's just so little I can do well when I'm not in a good place. And, you know, it starts with protecting my space and making sure that I'm surrounded by people who, you know, love and support me and want what's best for me versus people who are maybe trying to bring me down for whatever reason, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. I would say those are my two biggest things. Yeah, no, I think that's great advice going slow and starting small, like you mentioned about how we have enough items in our house to fill up. Yeah. (laughs) And eBay start, that is certainly true. I I think it's just the best way to start with no investment, right. And then kind of work up and build some capital to then be able to go out to the stores. But even beyond that, and I think you'd agree is 
you know, reach out to people in your life and your community who are getting rid of stuff, Uh you know, and, and, take as take advantage of as much free stuff as you can and and it won't all be great right because you know you mentioned earlier in the podcast right you've got some stuff in your store I've got some stuff in our store or in my store that I got for free from somebody and (laughs) it wasn't the best item and I probably you know I arguably should just take it out of the store by now yeah you know, it's kind of, but it's already reminders. in there and you're like, yeah, it's, it's in there. And I, yes. I keep sharing it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. But I mean, that stuff's going to happen. And, you know, if you can try and be dist- a little bit discerning with the items that you put up in your store, checking comps, I think that that's kind of like invaluable throughout your whole reselling career is like, what are things actually going to sell for? And, and deciding what your time is worth. Cause that number, right. As we've discussed, it's going to be different for everybody. It's, it's mm-hmm. just going to be a different number for everyone. And especially like you said before, kind of going all in because, you know, touching on that social media part that, you know, there's a lot of talking heads in the community and people might say you need this or you need that. And you're going to hear a lot of different stuff and you think, Oh gosh, I need all these different supplies. And the truth is like, you really don't need that much to start out. I mean, there are certainly things in this business that will be a nice compliment to your business, but they're not requirements. You know, I mean, I don't even think you have to have a printer these days. Can't you just, can't you just take a package to the post office and they'll scan it? Have you ever, I've never done it. I have not either. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like a thing you can, you can take your package to the post office, show a QR code to Mm -hmm. the postal employee and then I, I guess they print the label. I don't know how this works. <laughs> I actually do not know how it works either, but yes. yeah, these are my guesses. These are all my assumptions, yes. <laughs> but I guess going to show that it's, you know, you don't need much to really start out in this business, which is great. And, and lastly, like you said, uh, you know, again, talking about be discerning, but be discerning with, you know, the info that you take in. I think that at some point for a lot of resellers, you do kind of you do graduate from some content that you consume on social media. Like you said, for yourself, you're, you're not in engaging with as much of it as you used to. I'm the same way. I think a lot of people listening to this will probably say that. And, and, and that's not a bad thing, right? You kind of outgrow stuff. Something that stuck with me for many years was, I'm pretty sure it was Gary V. He, he used to tell people that, he wants people to stop listening to him, Mm. right? The goal, the goal is not to stick around, right? Mm -hmm. If you're still around five years from now, then he didn't do his job effectively, right? That you should have kind of progressed along in your journey. And I think that that's, that can be how anybody you're learning from, but if we're talking about reselling, yeah, I mean, that's going to be the same way with reselling as well. And, and, and maybe that, that creator will grow beyond you, you know? <laughs> no, I, I love goes, that. Yeah, yeah. It goes twofold in that way, but yeah, but protecting your peace, especially if you're going to go all in on this job and it is, it can be a very lonely and isolating job. And so if all you have is the internet, yikes. <laughs> exactly. And that's why it's like, yeah, there are so many wonderful, supportive, lovely people in our niche on the internet that are just out here, like helping people and loving on people, like find them. (laughs) Yeah. 
just make the internet a safe place for yourself, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Carve out your own place. And it's funny. It's like Becky and I were talking before we started recording and I was saying, do you know so-and-so or do you know so-and-so <laughs> on Instagram? And she's like, no, <laughs> but you know, it's like, oh, like, I guess those are, I, you know, I don't want to say like my people, but it's like, oh, those are just yeah. the people that I follow. And, you know, I'm sure you could have thrown some other Instagram usernames and at me and I would be like, no, I don't know who that is. You know what I mean? <laughs> it goes both ways. And and then I think that that's a good thing, right? That we all kind of have found our little corner of the internet. Yes. Or created it. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Becky. This has been such a fun interview. I've so oh, enjoyed getting to know you more. I know it was so lovely to finally be able to like connect in some way and do something together. So thank you as well. I really appreciate it. Well, I will talk with you soon, my friend. Have a great right, rest of your evening. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Becky for being on this week's episode of the podcast. Again, you can find Becky on Instagram under the username Becky Park on Poshmark. And all of that information will be in the show notes for you. I hope you all are off to a wonderful start of your week. And in the meantime, keep on listing and keep on selling.